Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Just to remind you that this is a podcast that will never, ever, ever make you take your clothes off at gunpoint. I don't care what kind of clothes you wear. You can wear too little, you can wear too many clothes. It's entirely up to you because you're an adult and you should be allowed to choose whatever the hell clothes you want to wear or don't want to wear. If you want to wear a coat indoors, then that's absolutely fine. You can wear a coat or a hat. You can wear you can wear dungarees if you like. That's how open-minded I am to things. You can even wear dungarees while you're listening to the Arscast. We're uh, we're open and we're progressive here, so we are. So it's been another week. We've had a game of football to play, and uh, well, we've still been pretty quiet in the transfer market. Although, as I record this. It seems like things might be happening. Some things might be happening with uh, this Deportivo La Coruña striker. Maybe it's, you know, it's hotting up now because, well, the transfer window, it's um, it's not far away. August 31st, and where are we now? Let's pretend that I'm talking to you today rather than recording this yesterday. So it's Friday, so we've got we've got all day today. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. I think it closes at 6 o'clock. I think that's what, what it is. I'll just look it up here. Because you know why? I think they wanted to avoid um, drunkenness. What time does the transfer window close 2016? And here we go. Sky Sports, of course, would tell you because they'll know. Uh, oh, it's 11 p.m. It's 11 p.m. on Wednesday, and there are going to be people on the streets. There are going to be people thronging around the reporters. There are going to be children standing there who look like they're the product of, of other children. I don't mean actual children, but two children of the same parents. You know what I mean? Those people will be around. There will be people with brightly colored sex toys ready to thrust them into whatever orifice they can get near. 11 p.m. The madness and the mayhem is going to overtake us all. So we've got the best part of six days to do transfer business. Of course, there is the the still really, really good point that we've had months and months and months to do it. Like ages, sort of all summer to do the to do the business. And now we're we're all banking on six days. Is it a plan? Is that part of our our master plan? Is it that difficult to find players? Are we struggling to, to find the right talent to players who can only improve us? Is that what's going on? Or is it part of something more sinister, something more malign, something more dastardly? Because the closer you get to the close of the window, the lower your standards become. Start of the window, you're going, I want world-class. I want absolutely world-class. I'm looking for the next guy who can score 40, 50 goals a season. That's what I'm looking for in a striker. I don't want any old striker. I want the best striker out there. Okay, sure, maybe we can't compete with Barcelona and Real Madrid. We're not going to buy uh, Neymar or Messi. We we can't do that. But, you know, we could get somebody really good. It's, we've got all summer. We've got loads of money. We can do that. That's what you want. That's what you're like at the start of the summer. And now you're sort of like, well... If he has scored a goal at any point in his career, like, I, you know, not with any great frequency. I'm not that invested in that anymore. He's 31, 31, you say, and what? He's, he's got yellow fever, right? 
Okay. Well, I mean, that's not ideal, but it's not, it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. Okay. Yeah. He's been out for the last 18 months. Both of his cruciate ligaments have been replaced with twine. He's an alcoholic. He, he cries a lot for, for no good reason. Sometimes in the middle of matches. And what, what he hardly ever turns up for training. What? Cause he's, yeah, he's always, he's always hung over cause he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's better than no one. That's where we are. That's where we are right now. They've done it to us. You know, they have. They've done it to us. It's kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome or something. I don't know. They've they've locked us away. It's like being kidnapped. And they lock you away in an attic and you're starving. And you're starting like days later. You're th- so thirsty and starving. And th- the situation is intolerable. But then they show you some kindness. And they give you a piece of bread and maybe a, like a teeny tiny glass of orange squash. And you're like, I love you so much. Thank you for looking after me this way. That's where we are with transfers. It's great. Look, maybe we'll do something interesting. Maybe we'll do something good uh, between now and the end of the window. But, you know, it just feels a bit like that to me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm letting myself get too carried away with the whole thing. But... You know, this is a big, big football club. They know what they're doing. They know they know the hold they have on us. These emotional bonds that we can't get rid of. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't. So they know they have you over a barrel. They can they can do what they want here. Look, uh, <laughs> later on, we're going to be looking ahead to a game against Watford this weekend. And then, of course, there's an interlull. So Getting three points before we go into that is going to be very, very important, of course, because we don't want two weeks of introspection. Well, we won't have two weeks of introspection. We'll have, like, the remaining days of the transfer window, and then after that, then, yeah, we decide what, what's going to happen. So we're going to be looking ahead to that. We're also going to be playing one-day fantasy football with FanDuel, your chance to win real, actual money. I came so close last week to winning actual money promise you i'll give you details of that a bit later on but uh you can sign up and win real real cash one day fantasy football uh with fan jewel and what else are we going to be doing i don't know other stuff we'll think of some stuff to do between now and the end of the show so last week we played leicester and we drew nil nil it was all right certainly better than conceding four goals bit toothless up front what have you but you know that's not really a surprise, but defensively, an awful lot better with uh, Lauren Koscielny back in the side. Rob Holding did really well alongside him. Not much of a game. Definitely a game that, you know, both teams are trying not to lose as much as anything else. Uh, because Leicester had lost their first game of the season as well. I think against Hull, that's right. A uh, bit of a surprise loss for them. And uh, our loss to Liverpool, not so much a surprise, but still irritating. So both teams looking for a point. Uh, we managed to avoid that nightmare scenario, didn't we? Where Jamie Vardy scored and Riyad Mahrez scored. And we'd have had all the headlines about how Arsenal targets Jamie Vardy and Arsenal target Riyad Mahrez twisted the knife by scoring against the Gunners. Condemning them to another defeat. Condemning them to more angst and misery and despair. We avoided that, at least. You know, nil-nil. Not the greatest result, but, you know, nil-nil away from home against the champions. Not the worst, either. Not the worst. So we're off the board. We're on the mark. We've got a point out of six. One out of six. And if we continue on this... No, let's not go there. 
we won't. Uh, we've <laughs> we've got a game against Watford away from home. Hopefully, we can we can pick up three points there, and then we'll have four points from nine. And if we continue with the uh, no. No, not going to do it. All right, look, let's get on with the show and talk a bit of football, talk a bit of Champions League draw, talk a bit of transfers and everything else that crops up with my guests this week. First up, uh, hello to you, Tim Stillman. Hello there. And the man from East Lower. Happy new season to you. Happy new season. All right, okay. Well, we're going to start with the the Champions League draw um, made last night. Certainly, uh, this is almost as if we're talking live here on a Friday in a pocket. No, it was made this evening. We we all know how it works. Um, Tim, as somebody who goes uh, away from home uh, to all these European games, you must be really happy that you're not going to Dortmund again. And you know, <laughs> uh, Three absolute brand new uh, faces. The only team that we played in Europe is PSG, and that was in the Cup Winners' Cup in 1994, which worked out quite Indeed. well for us. Indeed, yeah, and and that that was before that was kind of pre. I, I remember it very well, but it was kind of pre-continental travel days for me. So, mm. yeah, yeah, very very pleased. They're all quite cheap as well, which which works out quite nicely. But um, yeah, three absolute brand new opponents, which I think um, is quite important actually, because you know the competition I think beyond Arsenal has gone quite stale. For us, it's gone very very stale. And actually, I think a big part of that is playing the same teams all the time. I know they went out in the playoff stages, but I was watching the draw thinking, I bet we still get Olympiacos. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it, it, that has contributed, I think, a little bit to, you know, the kind of repetitive nature of it. So to have three completely kind of brand new teams in there um, is very exciting. And, you know, Luda Gerritz, you know, that's, that's a complete unknown quantity. Um, and that's, you know, that's quite exciting. It's almost a little bit old school, like the first round of the European Cup, the sort yeah. of team you'd expect to get. And then Basel, of course, the uh, the El Neni derby. Um, and the Xhaka and derby. Think, yeah, yeah, exactly. Granit Xhaka's brother plays there, doesn't he? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's quite interesting. And PSG, who, you know, we've not played for 22 years, we've managed to avoid them. And that's, that's going to be very exciting there. Something of an unknown quantity as well. They've mm. got a new manager. They've sold Zlatan. Um, they might lose Matuidi as well. It, we we don't really have a sense of how good they are um, at the moment, and we probably won't have a sense by looking at their results in Liga. It, mm. it probably will all come out in the wash in this group. So yeah. I, actually, I think it's for once a very exciting group. I, I hope they're as good as Cavani was the other night. That's how good I hope they are. <laughs> f- what a fucking unbelievable performance that was. If anyone has uh, not seen the video, just look it up. I'm sure you'll find it. Just Cavani misses whatever. He had about 12 in the one game. But Jim, there is something to be said, isn't there, for for meeting new teams and new faces, new stadiums, new camera angles. Uh, and Ludiger, it's uh, is this one where you, you think about... Um, you know, old school European football where the commentator is doing his, his commentary down a phone line and you've got those graphics. I, I think it's quite cool. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Although I have to say my first my first reaction was that it was <laughs> completely, completely contrary to what Tim just said, that it was a bit of a dull draw um, pu- purely because, uh, you know, it's not the, there aren't any massively glamorous sort of as in Barcelona, you know, the Real Madrid type type games in there. But actually, I think you're probably right. A, a change is as good as a rest get and, and try some try some different teams out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, to, to play three different faces. Uh, PSG were the top-ranked club. They came from the the the, uh, the first pot, uh, Jim. But, you know, I know that this could be construed as famous last words, and no doubt people will remind me of that. But, you know, dare we say that this is a it's, it's a winnable group for Arsenal? <laughs> I thought for, some, for some horrible moment there you were going to say, dare we say, this is the year. No, um, no, I'm just, yeah. I'm sticking to the, just the group at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, let, let's not, let's not worry about the last 16 because we all know what happens there. Um, we all, yeah, we could, we, we should, we should come top of this group, um, but uh, I don't know, should we? I don't know. Arsenal are Arsenal, aren't they? Anything can happen. Yeah, I, I do. I have the PSG one actually. I think I think Tim's right. It's quite it's quite an ex- exciting one. I do remember going to the last one in '94, um, but not well enough to remember who scored. So I just looked it up. It was Kevin Campbell, the one nil um, at Highbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and, and that was a great atmosphere. I, I'm you know those atmospheres are slightly distant, but um, who knows? Yeah, Could be quite that good. was um, that was the because I was a season ticket holder at the time um but i was 10 and my mum wouldn't let me go to midweek games <laughs> at that point and as we progressed through the cup winners cup i was going go on let me go let me go let me go and she wouldn't let me go to the torino game in the quarter final and then when we got paris saint-germain in the semi-final i was you know i just i put on my serious face and i was like i'm fucking going to this <laughs> and uh, she kind of relented so for me that was very special that was my first ever game at highbury under the lights and I think my abiding memory is just needing a wee for about 85 of the 90 minutes because of the <laughs> bladder-crushing tension. Yeah, not all the beer you had at 10 years of age, no? <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> all right, well, look, we uh, we look forward to, to seeing what happens in the Champions League. So, Tim, um, it looks as if things are happening in terms of, of transfers. We've been waiting a while uh, since Granite Xhaka signed, and obviously we did sign Rob Holding, uh, we did sign Takuma Asano, although we won't be seeing him this season. It, it turns out he's probably going to go on loan. Um, but we've been waiting for the manager to boost the forward line, and we've been waiting for him mm. to boost the central defensive line further to Rob Holding. Um, mm. It looks like both of those things are going to happen fairly imminently now with Mustafi uh, almost done. And uh, an out-of-the-blue striker... Uh, uh, coming in from Deportivo La Coruña, Lucas Perez. Um, it, it it always struck me that this was the kind of deal we were going to do when it came mm. to a striker. I never really saw us pursuing Lacazette in any serious way beyond the sort of uh, the valuation that Arsene Wenger had for him. He was never going to go above and beyond that. Uh, so it always mm. felt like he was going to like pull a little rabbit out of the hat somewhere. Um, this is certainly one from out of left field, though. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that the Perez deal is it looks like the domino, really, because they've been haggling over this Mustafi thing for weeks. And all the information we've had and reading between the lines, it looks like Arsenal were unsure over the fee because they knew they needed the striker, but they were unsure about how much they'd have to pay. So getting a striker for it looks like about £17 million, obviously fairly cheap um, and relatively speaking, in today's transfer market. And that kind of frees up the funds for us to go, right, Okay, we can go a little bit over our valuation on the staffy. So it's it's not a massive surprise to me that both of these Mm. kind of bricks have fallen at the same time. I suspected it might happen that it might go down like that on deadline day. So, yeah, it's it's happened slightly earlier than I thought. But 
none of it really surprises me. But Perez is it's a very, very interesting one. Um, I think we've known for some months that we're probably not going to get the vintage of striker we'd all like, but we definitely need a more mobile option. And I think what this does, he it looks to me like he's probably, from what I know about him, going to be a bit of a replacement for Welbeck. Mm. And I think that probably Arsene still hasn't given up on that Goldilocks striker, that kind of Ursula Alexis, but a centre forward that, you know, if and when that drops in a future window, he wants to be front of the queue and therefore he doesn't want to spend all of his budget on someone like Lacazette. Mm. Um, and and actually, I think the point he made about salaries last week was um, was a real light bulb moment, I think, when he spoke about it's all very well paying 50 million for a player, but when you pay 50 million for them, you've got to pay them a wage that's commensurate. And he's looking around his squad. He can't get rid of Chesney, who has no future here. He has. He can't get rid of Debushi. He can't get rid of Joel Campbell. And I think he's thinking, you know, if I sign up, say Lacazette for, and then I pay him 180 grand a week, and he's he's not up to the scratch, then it's going to be very very tough to get rid of him. And I think. What we've seen well, and, is wait, that, is and wage inflation. Sorry, Tim, but and, and wage inflation elsewhere as well. If you know some of the other players will say, "Well, look, if he's on that much, I want that much too." So before exactly. you know it, happening. exactly. So it looks to me like it's the wages more than the transfer fees that he's kind of quote unquote objected to. Mm. And and Perez is it's a very interesting one. You know, it it, it he look. I'd never heard of him before. Probably this morning, but from everything I've read, he kind of looks like that fairly wiry mobile centre forward and I, I think the important thing about this is even if he's a little bit 7 out of 10 I think um, well Ozil's a genius who can work with any striker but I think he would you'd get a bit more out of him with a more mobile striker than Giroud and yeah. Alexis really really I mean look at the way he pairs up with Walcott and Welbeck compared to Giroud he really benefits from having that kind of striker so mm. even if Perez is a bit 7 out of 10 if he can get us a little bit more out of um, Ozil and Alexis, then that's quite a big kind of perhaps invisible gain. Yeah, it's it's an interesting move because he was almost done to, to Everton, we believe. Um, and when you look at um, what Leicester have done in the transfer market in recent years, the guy who was bringing him in at Everton uh, was Steve Walsh, who was Leicester's head scout, who's now the chief of football at Everton. So I wonder, was there something of a, well, look, if they're going to go for it, maybe we'll we'll have a go at this. And we have that Leicester analytics guy who's come in as well. Mm. So I wonder if, you know, there's a, there's a bit of that connection. But Jim, maybe as well, uh, slight shades of, of Jamie Vardy, because... He's a guy who's had a, a relatively journeyman career up until now, you would say. He's been in, in Russia, he's been in Greece, he's come back to his hometown club, Deportivo La Coruña. He had a, an okay first season, I think he, he came on loan, but they, they did, did the permanent deal for him last season. 17 goals, 10 assists. He's 27, he's going to be 28 next month. You know, that that's his big breakthrough season at that age. Shades of, of Jamie Vardy, a Spanish Jamie Vardy, if you will, a, a Sparty, I don't know what we could call him. But, you, you know, it, it, does it fit with what we saw Arsene Wenger trying to do earlier in the summer? I think it probably does. And, and uh, you know, the, the fact he, he's a 7 out of 10 player, well, maybe if you're being cruel, you could say Arsenal are a little bit seven out of ten at the moment, anyway. And um, and and it's it's probably the right it's 
it does make sense, like, like you say, in hindsight. I, I think he is. Um, Wenger likes a player who's got something to prove, who's who's hungry, who's and he he likes that kind of thing, and he likes to buy someone under the radar. Seventeen million is is a, I wouldn't say pittance because it's an absurd amount of money in any walk of life, to be honest. But it, you know, in in this sense, it is it's not a lot of money to risk. Uh, just like sixteen million wasn't a lot of money to risk on Welbeck, and so um, I think you know if you can do a deal at that price, the guys had a fantastic season. Um, it's pretty much no gamble. Mm. What would you say to the argument, Jim, though, that given that we've had all summer, given that we've got a lot of money, nobody's saying we're you know the richest club in the world, but we've got a lot of money, given that um, we've got plenty of resources in terms of scouting, in terms of uh, you know people out there looking at, at the talent across Europe, and this is in no way to be disparaging about a player who I think like you say, has got something to prove and could prove actually really useful. Um, you know, if he settles in and if he clicks with Alexis, if he clicks with, with Ozil, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to talk the player down in any way uh, because I'm a great advocate of, you know, actually watch the guy play football before you make a decision about him. But there might be an argument that says, well, is that the best we could do all after all summer? Is I mean, can you see that point of view? I totally of course I can. I, I, I think I think you know the summer he's he's filling the gaps now, but belatedly Wenger, mm. and um and, and and it hasn't looked particularly well planned from the outside. You know, it's it's it is a complicated business. As Tim said, it all things come in. You know, often things slot into place at certain times for various reasons. So, you know, there is that as well. It, uh, I, I suppose the, the 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 one thing you would say is how many of the kind of strikers that we want that we really. You know, if you're being honest and say who's the absolute best kind of striker we could realistically go for, how many of those have actually moved this summer? Mm. And the answer is, I don't think any, if or, or, very, or at least not many. You know, Higuain, 29, 75 million quid, that was never going to happen. Um, Lukaku, well, that would have been a huge amount of money. I, I, I just don't see the movement. So, but perhaps it's a case of um, uh, of you, if you get what you can, and that that might sound that might sound like um, a poor excuse because. You know, you should be always striving to get the absolute best you can. But perhaps there is an element of truth in that. And, and you know, I'm just trying to look at all angles here. Sure, sure. Tim, any thoughts on, on that? Um, yeah, it just it strikes me as another Welbeck um, kind of deal, if you know what I mean, because the manager seemed almost quite reluctant to sign Welbeck in the end. I mean, there's there's a lot of stories that he only wanted him on loan rather than paying the money up but Giroud's injury really really forced his hand and I, I think we're kind of in similar territory here where it's we need a like a body um, indefinitely and like I said earlier I, I don't think he's given up on the idea of landing that at some stage probably not in this window and probably not in January um, but at some stage I think he still wants that money to one side in case a really top level striker mm. becomes available um, and in the meantime, this is a body. It's someone who doesn't cost an awful lot. He's 28. He's already been abroad a couple of times. So you'd have thought the kind of the acclimatization should be okay for him. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it, I think it, it, it does look a bit grabby, um, as it were. And I, I agree with you. I think there's a sense of, ah, Everton. That, you know, we've heard on the grapevine that Everton are in for this guy for 17 million, and he looks vaguely like the kind of model that we're after. And if Steve Walsh has identified this guy, then you know, let's just 
get it done to yeah. coin a phrase so it, it it may be a little bit underwhelming after waiting all summer I, I can only think that Wenger has been waiting perhaps for something bigger and better um, but he realizes at this point that it's just not going to drop yeah and he needs to get Mustafi done and so he needs to be able to know how much he's prepared to pay for him so yeah I, I do think it's a bit stopgap but that's that's where we are. All right, and Mustafi uh, Jim is coming in, according to David Ornstein. It looks like it's all being done and dusted. Thirty-five million pounds. Um, that's a that's a lot of money for a central defender. I know even in the current market, it's still a lot of money for a central defender. Um, Twenty-four years of age, German international. It's been a bit protracted between the two clubs. I don't quite know what's what's gone on there. Um, when we were quoted uh, a cheaper price, something has obviously gone on that has enabled Valencia to get to get a better deal than it looked like they were going to get initially. But um, you know, he he's probably of the age um, that we just that we needed when it came to reinforcing it at, at centre half because uh, with Mertesacker uh, the wrong side of thirty, Koscielny is is thirty now. Um, you know, not that he's uh, long in the tooth or anything like that, but there comes a point where you need to sort of change the age profile of the defenders that you have, and, and he's he's certainly going to do that. Yeah, and he would have some resale value as well, um, but it is a massive amount of money for a central defender, no doubt about it. And you would think at that price he walks straight into the team, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, on that like, basis... Like Granite Xhaka? Um, <laughs> well, well, you know, the thing about Xhaka is uh, it's that classic thing which I think... You, you first game of the season, you you put someone on the bench, rightly or wrongly, to get them to give them a flavour of what it's actually like. Yeah, and uh, I think there was an element of that with him. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think at that price, if you're paying that money, it's it's um, it's, it doesn't sound like a backup fee, does it? So a uh, penny for the thoughts of um, of Murtasaka and Gabriel. But you know, I think <laughs> neither of those. Well, Murtasaka, I think is a is a fantastic player, but, but Gabriel is has hardly uh, set the world on fire. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting how that one pans out. Mm. But uh, it's, it, we, again, it's a, it's a position we needed. We've now got quite a lot of central defenders, you know, many of whom are either unfit or not quite ready. But um, it gives us a lot of options. And so, yeah, interesting to see uh, if he comes straight into the team or not. Uh, Tim, I mean, do you think, given that we do have Koscielny, given that we've, we're bringing in Mustafi, given that Rob Holding is, uh, is looking like a prospect, after two games, of course, very difficult to say exactly. Uh, you know, Gabriel will be back at some point. Mertesacker is back at some point in the future. Um, do you see, let's say, it being curtains for, for Callum Chambers, perhaps? Um, and I know we're very focused on on the players who are going to come in because, you know, that, that fills the need that we have for transfers. But there is also a need uh, to look at the squad and, and see, well, how is he going to keep someone like uh, Chambers happy? How is he going to keep Matthew Debushi happy? I don't think he can. So, I mean, as well as players coming in, between now and the end of the window, what are you expecting to happen in terms of outward movement? Um, well, I definitely think it sounds like Callum Chambers will go out on loan, which I think um, sounds fair enough. What's kind of interesting is that we've got six centre-halves now um, and we've got, they're in three very distinct age groups. So we've got Mertesacker and Koscielny, who are both over 30. Then you've got Holding and Chambers, who are both, you know, 2021. 20, and then you've got um, Mustafi and Gabriel, who are in their mid-20s. So there's there's very simply, there's going to have to be some churn there one way or the other. I very much think that Callum Chambers will be part of that churn. He'll go out on loan and 
it, yeah, I think if you're Callum Chambers and you see Arsenal sign another 20-year-old centre-half, um, I think you're probably guessing that the game might be up mm. and that other centre-half was chosen ahead of him last weekend. And, um, you know, let's not forget that Callum Chambers actually played against Leicester uh, quite recently and did a very good job on Jamie Vardy. And that still wasn't enough to get him ahead of holding in the starting lineup. So I do think it looks a little bit like curtains for Callum Chambers, do, do which you think I think is a shame. Yeah, I mean, do you think I, at this point it's it's permanent curtains or is it a case that if he goes out on loan and plays really well and, and refines his confidence that that Arsene Wenger might be uh, have his mind changed? Possibly, but I, I think it would have to be some turnaround. I think generally you've seen this pattern with Arsene Wenger before that when he kind of gives up on a player, he gives up on them. Like um, like Chesney, you get the sense that, uh, you know, the love's gone, as it were. Yeah. Um, Joel Campbell never quite did enough um, to impress him. Usually these players, you know... Uh, Coquelin is the only exception that I can think of, really. Usually when they get to this kind of stage, once he's made his mind up, he really seems to make his mind up. So mm. I, I, th I think it could be. I think the other interesting one is Per Mertesacker as well, because I think I'm right in saying he's in the last year of his contract. Yeah, yeah. And I, I for one, think that he might be the kind of centre-half that could go until his mid-30s, just because, I mean, losing pace isn't really going to be <laughs> there's there's not really anything to lose there um, and I, I think he could be an experienced head and giving him the captaincy as well I know Arsene has given the captaincy to players he's shoved out the door soon after before but it it, it kind of suggests that he holds him in, in still in a decent regard so it'd be really interesting to see what happens with Per Mertesacker I think I think that's the one to keep mm. an eye on really and also you know Gabriel hasn't quite convinced he's probably in a bit of a you know he's he's on a knife edge really I think in terms of supporter opinion and what he does this season will govern what we think of him and and it may be that way with the manager as well that it may be that he just hasn't really been that impressed because I, th I think if he's really really impressed with Gabriel who's only out for kind of what another six weeks or so we hope um, that he, he probably doesn't go and spend 35 million on another defender I mean if if say Alexis Sanchez got injured for six weeks would we go and spend 35 or 40 million pounds on another winger no. for that for that period of time probably not we probably just wait until Alexis comes back so yeah. that suggests that I think Chambers is probably done and there's probably um an arms race between Mertesacker and Gabriel right it's interesting I saw somebody Jim on Twitter saying the other day that when Wenger gives up on a player, and you know we're citing Callum Chambers as an example of that, that he makes a decision on them and can make a decision on them quite young or quite quickly, depending. It's it's quite often defenders that he doesn't quite seem to have the same measure of ruthlessness in midfield or up front, whereas players like uh, Juru, Jenkinson, Sanderos. Uh, you know, Andre Santos, I know not necessarily a young player, but he tends to make his mind up on defenders much more quickly. Well, perhaps, perhaps I hadn't really thought about it. It's quite an interesting point, but perhaps it's uh, the classic thing with the, with a midfielder, you can carry a, mm. a midfielder a little bit during a, you know, during a, a season, whereas you can't really carry a defender 
who's playing badly and, and maybe uh, you just need that extra level of consistency at the back I don't know it's a good it's a good question but I mean as for Chambers I don't I mean he you might well be right maybe he's written maybe he's 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 gone maybe he's uh full curtains but at the same time he is only 21 and how many central defenders are the finished article at 21 you know not many and so i don't know I, I i think it would very much depend how this season goes um but actually i did see something that was interesting as well he he uh, was sort of intimating apparently that he might go to somewhere like italy or spain i think that'd be an absolutely fantastic thing oh to really could, yeah yeah I, I i read it somewhere um and if that was the case, because not, not enough of our English players, we're all too parochial by miles, and not enough of them go and, and experience different cultures. And uh, I think it would be a great shame if he just, if he just went to a different, uh, you know, a, a lower down Premier League club. But I'd love to see him go and get some experience somewhere else because we, we just don't do it enough. That would be absolutely fantastic, actually. I agree with that completely. I mean, I think one of the other things, uh, and it's been one of the things that has been an issue for many years is there has been uh, for young players a, a significant wage gap and we talked about the wage gap between the Premier League and uh, the rest of Europe at this point which is it's ludicrous uh, but there's always been a case um, where young players at, at Premier League clubs are paid a lot more than their counterparts uh, in in other European clubs and then there's no incentive or they don't see any incentive to broaden their horizons and to travel and to try and you know play a season or two in Italy or a season or two in Spain or France because the money is so low because money seems to be um, a measure of success in a way that you're you're judged on how much you earn so if you're earning 25 grand a week and you're playing I don't know 12 games a season it's still seen as more successful than if you're earning four grand a week at some French club and, play, and playing for the entire season so yeah I think not enough uh, English players go abroad I don't think that's going to change either I know there's a parochial no. nature to it I don't think it's going to change uh, simply because of the money on offer uh, but it, I think that, that would be fantastic for Chambers to go and uh, I think gain that experience I think it would be fantastic for any player to be honest um, any English player should, should consider it more often because it isn't just the money it is a fact of the money but I think that if you look back at the history of English football over the last 30 years, not in, not enough leave these shores. A very very small amount. Yeah. So um, I, I think I think that's something that would really benefit the overall education of English football is if they did it a little bit more. Yeah. When's the last time? Whether like a, he does, yeah. is, is, is another matter. He'd probably end up, you know, some, somewhere mid table. When he, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But when's the last time a, like a big English player went abroad? Like at the, at his peak years, that you can think of, McManaman or Bale or Beckham. Oh, Bale, Bale yeah, Bale and Beckham. Okay, but that's about it, isn't it? Not Michael Bale. Owen did that that year at Real Madrid as well, where everybody thought he was a footballer. That 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 <laughs> yeah, weird yeah, time where he won, yeah, where he won the the Ballon d'Or. Um, and Bale's Welsh, we should also point out. So, yes. uh, before you get the brick bats thrown at you. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to do that. So, look, we've got a game coming up uh, against Watford, Tim, this weekend. Uh, then we go into uh, an interlull. So, it really is important that we generate some goodwill or generate some confidence, at least, uh, on the pitch uh, as we go into that international break to try and pick things up then when we come back. Absolutely. And, you know, if Arsenal can. Um, get two new signings holding up shirts on arsenal.com on Friday and get three points on Saturday. Um, I'm beginning to sound like a Craig David song. Um, <laughs> then I, I think everybody goes into that international break just a little bit happier. 
Uh, Tim, can I? Uh, sorry, I mean, don't want to cut across you, but can I ask you, like, just from the point of view of uh, what the manager does with his team against Watford? I mean, do you think he should he should sort of revert to what's worked? Alexis on the left, Ozil back in the team, Giro up front until such time as as he can find uh, a different way of doing things. It's it's funny you say that because I, I I've got a suspicion he might go back towards kind of Coquelin and Cazorla at the base of his midfield and Ozil and Giroud, yes. Because if you look at the first two games, the spine of the team has been completely different. And I think that's why he's been playing Coquelin because, you know, we've had Holding and Chambers for the first game. Koscielny came back in for the second game. Yeah. And then, you know, we've had Cazorla and Ramsey have a go at number 10. We've had a different striker. So, you know, Czech has really been the only constant from the spine of the team. And obviously goalkeepers don't really influence the way you play. So that that spine has been quite new um, and quite unfamiliar. And I do wonder, because we really, really need the three points, whether just for this one game, um, he might he might do that. He might go back to Coquelin Cazorla at the base of the midfield with Ozil ahead. Um, put Giroud up front, yes. Alexis kind of back on the left. Um, I, I think we might see that for, for that reason because mm. in the short short term he has to get a result. All right, well, gents, uh, thank you very much indeed. We're we're going to leave it there. Uh, Tim Stillman, thanks a million. My pleasure as always. Uh, Jim, the man from East Lower, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much indeed to both my guests, Tim Stillman. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto and read his column every Thursday right here on arsblog.com and the man from East Lower at East Lower on Twitter and his blog is eastlower.co.uk. Right, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel. FanDuel is one-day fantasy football where you can win actual real-life cash money. You can win stuff. And you don't have to commit to a whole season. You don't have to worry about missing the deadline because you woke up too late on Saturday and you're hungover and you forgot to do your team or, you know, that feeling after about three or four weeks of doing fantasy football, you just can't be arsed. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. But FanDuel is one-day fantasy football. You can sign up at fanduel.co.uk. You can download the Android app from fanduel.co.uk forward slash Android or you can find it on the App Store, the iOS Store. Just search for FanDuel. Uh, you can get £10 back if you lose if you deposit and get 10 pounds back use the code arsblog to sign up and fanduel will refund your money if you lose in your first week this week we're playing the seven and a half thousand pound fan favorite contest it costs five pounds to enter you can also play for free by the way so you don't have to uh, deposit money but if you want to win the big bucks you've got to put a couple of quid in five pounds entry to this one uh 750 pounds to first place 401 of the top managers win cash so you've got a really good chance of winning something last week right after the first game which was manchester city i think it was against stoke I was in 14th place in the contest I entered. 14th place. I was winning £50. 14th place out of all the players because I had Nolito and I had Aguero in my team and both of them scored twice. I was thinking, yes, I am on here for winning money. But my absolute inbuilt inherent crapness of fantasy football saw me by the end of the day and all the other games that took place drop out of the money and almost to last again. So I'm really, really not very good at this. But anyway, I've entered... This week, uh, into this, um, bum, 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 into the uh, five thousand or seven and a half thousand pound fan contest. My team is uh, here. We go. Here is my team. It is uh, David De Gea in goal. 
Uh, I've got a back four of Jose Font, uh, Chris Smalling, Jagielka and Bailey. The Manchester United guy. Midfield, Ozil, Xhaka and Matic. And up front, I've gone for all the goals. Ibrahimovic, uh, Vardy and Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez, that is. I'm hoping that will be enough to win me some money. We'll see. I'm not confident in any way. But if you want to play, you can do it at fanjewel.co.uk. Sign up, you can play on the web or with their apps, and make sure you use the promo code ARSBLOG when you sign up, because if you do and you lose your first uh, game, they'll refund your money up to £10, so you can't say fairer than that. Fanjewel.co.uk and use the code ARSBLOG. So, um, there's so much going on that we haven't got any team news ahead of tomorrow's game. I'm looking here on the Arsenal website right now, and you're thinking... Who no no injury news anyway, but is he going to bring back Olivier Giroud? Is he going to bring back Mesut Ozil? And what's he going to do with Alexis Sanchez? I don't think Alexis, as a striker, is really working, to be perfectly honest. Put him back on the left. He scores lots of goals from there. Bring back Giroud. Bring back Ozil. Uh, pick one of Walcott and Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right-hand side and see how that goes. Give it a bash because it's worked before and it's worked against teams like Watford before. I don't think it's the worst pick. And then once we get through the international break, we've got all these new players, all of them, the two of them, whoever they might be. Um, we can then decide what way we're going to play and what way we're going to attack. I think the manager has got some real thinking at the moment about what way to set up his team. I'm not sure he knows exactly what he wants from it or who he wants to do what at this moment in time. Xhaka... Who's he gonna who's he gonna anchor the midfield with? Is it gonna be Coquelin all the time or will it be El Nenny? When Ramsey is back, will he put Ramsey back? I don't know. But for this particular game, given that we need the points, I think we've got to go for something that's pretty much tried and trusted. It's not reinventing the wheel in any way, but we know it works. Not all the time, but when it works, it works just fine. So I think that's what we're going to have to do there. Um, I don't know what else to say about that game. We've one point from six. It's absolutely crucial that we take three points. We really do have to take three points here. We've got to defend as well as we did against Leicester and attack um, much better than we did against Leicester. I don't think it'll be quite as cagey. We got three goals against Liverpool, so there are goals in the team. Uh, but we've got to take the three points and, and just give us a little bit of a boost. New players coming in, three points in, in the bank uh, and uh, under our belts. And then we can take the international break, regroup uh, and try and get going properly once that all happens and once all these new guys have come in and settled in properly. Not ideal, but that's where we are right now. That's where we are. So, look, I'm going to leave it there for this week. Um, thank you, as ever, for listening. Always very much appreciated. If you do like the show uh, and you subscribe on iTunes, please feel free to give us a rating or a review. It really helps us. It pushes us further up the charts, and it, it yeah, it just adds to our, our stuff. I don't know what the stuff is, but it helps in some weird, ethereal way. So if you fancy doing that, thank you very much indeed. Uh, you, uh, you can find all the archives, as always, on our ACAST page. That's acast.com forward slash arsblog. James and I will be here on the Arscast Extra on Monday. We'll be looking back at what happened over the weekend. And make sure you check out the Facebook page of Arsenal NYC. We are going to be in New York. We're going to be doing a live Arscast Extra on Sunday, the 25th of September, after the Chelsea game. You get all the details on facebook.com forward slash Arsenal NYC. And we'll have some more details on site over the next few weeks as well. So, look, have yourselves a great weekend. Going to keep fingers crossed for three points uh, for all the other teams that we don't like to lose and play terribly and uh, maybe we'll win some money on Fangio so until the next one take it easy cheers bye bye
So I said, you think it's bad now? Wait until Piers Morgan becomes Prime Minister! <laughs> anyway, back to the phone lines right now, and we're joined on the line by Bob Proton, an Arsenal fan. Bob, difficult times for the Gunners. Five consecutive Premier League defeats, including going down 3-2 at home to Burnley. How are you coping? Everything's grand. There's no problems. Look, Arsenal might have lost 3-2 to Burnley, but we scored two goals. Liverpool? Nobody talks about Liverpool losing 2-0 to Burnley. If we'd been playing Liverpool instead of Burnley, we would have beaten them 2-0. But, Bob, you've already lost to Liverpool 4-3 at home. Yeah, but that was just the opening day of the season. We weren't really ready, you know. Things, things, it takes us a while to get going. You can't judge on the first game, so you can't. But would you not consider your lack of readiness a problem in itself? Why didn't the club replace Per Mertesacker? Why were the defensive frailties allowed to contribute to that defeat? Well, you know, if you look back on it, it's probably down to the referee. He allowed Liverpool get away with whatever they wanted. They could kick the ball around, pass it to each other. He let them play football and, frankly... That that's just typical of the way that referees behave towards Arsenal. Right. Um, okay, but what about the club putting up the price of season tickets by £500? Fans want the club to compete for the best players in the transfer market. So, how are they going to raise the money to do that without putting up the prices? You don't get a Ferrari for free, you know. Yes, but Arsenal didn't actually buy any players before the end of the transfer window. But we have great youngsters. You've got to put your faith in the youngsters, the young talent coming through the club. How are they supposed to get a chance if you keep buying superstars? Okay, but you actually sold your three best players, banking £120 million into the process, and that money has gone straight into the bank. How can the club justify that as well as a ticket price rise? Look, if it's too expensive, fans don't have to go. You can watch on the telly. And the news that the owner of the club has sanctioned a grand share with arch-rivals Sutton the Hotspur. Surely that's got your goat. It's a share. We won't be there at the same time as them. We don't see what anyone's giving out about. It's like Airbnb except for football clubs, you know. You got to get with the bleeding modern world here. You're taking this very sanguinely, Bob, I have to say. Finally, though, what about the comments from the club's former captain, Fred McLatchford? Of course, he is a double-double winning captain. He won the league seven times with Arsenal. He won a European trophy. He's made the most appearances ever and, of course, showed his dedication to the cause by playing for three months with a broken leg. He was slightly critical today of the club and the way that they've operated. Any comments on that? He scum! He's absolute fucking scum! How dare he! How dare he fucking shut up! He should shut up! I'll kill him! I'll find out where he lives! And I'll go around his house! And I'll fucking wreck his dog! I'll find his dog! And I'll wreck it! I'll fucking burst it wide open! Well, I think he probably... should have chosen his words more carefully. Bob Broton, Arsenal fan there. Don't ever call in again, Bob. Ever. When we return after the break, which X Factor star has a penis shaped like Italy? <laughs> 